Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. Did you ever watch the Twilight Zone? Remember the Twilight Zone with Burgess Meredith? Remember, he, he, he loved to read, and there was a nuclear war, and he had no friends anyway, and he was oh, down on yeah, basic glasses. What about the mannequins that got two weeks off and turned into humans, and they were allowed to go out and shop for two weeks on their own, and then this one came back, and it was over two weeks, and the other mannequins went, come over here for a minute, and turned them into plastic. You, you want to see something really scary? Welcome, everybody, to Zoning Out. I'm Christopher Feinstein. John Sachs. Frank Bernacci. Kids are professional, he said. I am and Judd. We are here today to discuss Season 1, Episode 22, with an air date of March 4th, 1960. It's the big one. Oi. The monsters are due on Maple Street. Mm. Now, before we begin, ladies and gentlemen, if you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on your listening method of choice. That's the best way to support the show. If you're enjoying the show and you want to help us out that's the best way to do it share but more importantly leave a review yeah we sort of figured that we just yeah i don't know why we like, haven't we're 22 episodes in more the more so counting you know, the scum yeah, ep- like, bonus scum episodes and we haven't done that yet yeah it's like maybe we should you know engage with our audience yeah find <laughs> us on twitter at the zoning out pod and uh you know talk to us Talk to me. I'm on. I'm d- at WTTF movie on Twitter. I keep wanting to say .com. I cannot mm. seem to stop doing that. I'm an old man. I like the World Wide Web. <laughs> but now, back to business. On a peaceful suburban street, strange occurrences and mysterious people stoke the residents' paranoia to a disastrous intensity. Are we all just going to scream 10 at the same time, or? I mean, might as well. 10. 10. 10. 10. It Not holds a 10. Up. Not a 10. No. John Sachs, why is this happening? You son of a bitch. I, I got to nitpick if I'm going to go for a 10, and there's some things I would nitpick on this one. Really? Yeah, for me, it's, just, it's, not, it's not like flawless. If we want to start with the nitpicks and then have fun and talk about why, why I actually did like it a lot overall, let's do that. Yeah, but the ending that. when they're just going, you, no, you, you. no, you. It isn't the kids. It's Bob Weaver's house. It isn't Bob Weaver's place. It's Don's house. It's the winner's house. That's the kid, I tell you. It's Charlie. He's the one. It's I love that. Goofy. I no, love it. I not. I don't. Not intentionally. If you want to have fun, sure. But if I'm, I'm comparing it to the other episodes that I think are better. For me, this one isn't as good because the ending is a little goofy. And if you really want to hit home the mob mentality thing, it's not like everyone just starts wanting to kill every single other person within five feet. It's they attack certain people. And at the very end, when it shifts and it gets a little goofy, if we're if we're going 10, I can't go 10. I can go eight. I can go eight because I liked it a lot overall, but the end got a little goofy for me. I'll, I'll see myself out. Thank you, guys. Yes. It's been great. 
it's weird. I it's it's this is a strange episode for me because I literally and I was watching it having this problem. It's like you might be right, John. I can't look at this objectively. It's been such a part of the fabric of the quilt the, on, of on the, the tapestry shirt. that makes up the Frank Bonacci. We've been talking about this one for six months, so I was going in, you know, sky high expectations. Sure, any I, I, any remote, the tiniest mole on that body. I was gonna just zero in on it and say, "Oh, this mm-hmm. isn't perfect." Yeah, unfuckable, unfuckable. That's what <laughs> I say. She's got, she's got a, a big second toe. <laughs> I watched this episode with rose tinted glasses. I could do no wrong in my eyes. It's tough when it, you come to these classics that had such an impact on you and are so renowned, where it's like. It'll, it'll it'll hurt me to nitpick it, so I'm just gonna say yes, it's fantastic. I just can't. Cause I, I totally agree with what John's saying, and I was trying to think like, really, is this the best episode so far? And I don't know if it is, but I, I gotta give it a ten because it's my like my favorite, you know? Yeah. Just because it's well, it's always goofy to say favorite versus best. It's like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah, we all have different sensibilities. But if you say it's it's your favorite, it's because it's the most rewatchable. And that's what all things should be. They should be infinitely rewatchable. So there shouldn't be like a, oh, this isn't as serious, so it can't be a 10. Like that's, you know, that's mm. like Oscar bullshit. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But for me, I'm coming in blind. I've been talking about it for six months. You know, <laughs> I've seen these other episodes previously where I had no expectations. You know, like the Hitchhiker, Third from the Sun. Those I'd never even heard of before. For those two, like I, there wasn't anything that I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of goofy. That mm. kind of ruined my momentum. Yeah. And again, I'm I want to get my nitpicks out so we can have a, a fun, happy time. But it's just at the very end, if you're really gonna hit home the mob mentality thing, I wish it had just been like they go after the main protagonist and maybe they just they all go after him. But when it turns into the no, it's the kid. No, 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 it's Brenda. No, no, it's Dave. And I was like, ah, oh, you were so close. You were we were at the five yard line. Because that's just not that's not mob mentality for me. So if I have to be look at it objectively, the whole thing feels a little compressed in terms of how things go downhill in the the time that they do. Sure, I guess you could point that out. I it's weird you're talking about the you you and the Dutch angle like with a finger yeah, in yeah. a Dutch angle, and you're saying that's goofy, and I'm like I would direct the scene exactly the same way because that's just like. When I look at this, it's like this is one of those things that informed my tastes, that it hit me so young and so hard that I was like, yeah, that's how you're supposed to shoot that, I guess, because that's what I see it as. And you're probably looking at it rationally. Yeah, objectively, maybe not. Like, I will say that it's like maybe not the best. This this episode just hits me in that emotional sweet spot. And I watched it and it was weird. I was like, I was nervous going in. As soon as the episode starts playing, I'm right back to being a little kid watching this again. I'm like, oh, here we go. I love Jack Weston's shirt. The the Quaker oil guy. Amco. <laughs> the, oh, did he do Amco commercials, uh, Claude Aikens? Whether or not your car has an extended warranty for prompt, reliable service, go where most warranty companies put their trust. Go to Amco. Amco. Double A. MCO. <laughs> Is that who that was? Claude Akins, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Whiffle Claude Akins. I want one person. This is why we should engage with the audience more. I just said Whiffle Claude Akins. And that is a very specific reference to something. And I want the audience to come back and tell me what I just referenced. Thank you. Crickets. <laughs>
Yeah, crickets. So everything you, you, I do is you'll be this waiting. is how you know I'm autistic because it's just like that makes sense to me. But everybody else, I just see those blank Boo Radley stares from everybody, and I'm like, well, oh, we're all looking at Frank like Gomer Pyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody's got that hey Joker look on their face <laughs> when I say anything. Can't do anything right. <laughs> You best unfuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this is the episode. It's a lot building up to this episode. So, oh boy, did I just drop soy sauce all over the floor? You son of a uh, bitch! Uh, Pippi. Pippi gets a salty <laughs> treat. I dropped soy sauce everywhere. I just ruined everything. I've been trying to eat because listen, I work a lot. <laughs> so I was trying to shove in a few dumplings while we were recording, and I just dropped a whole cup of soy sauce. God oh, damn me, my life! I thought you meant like a little packet. No, a cup. Pippi will get it. I'm falling apart here, guys. Today, don't you, I did. Don't you drink that, Pippi. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, no, <laughs> today, I was uh, going to heat up my... I, I, I meal prepped all my meals this week. I'm being a very good boy. And taking it out of the fridge to, uh, this afternoon to heat it up. I had a whole brown rice, some chicken breasts, some string beans, carrots. Nice. Dropped the whole thing on the floor. As soon as I took the lid off of it, I flipped it. And it uh, flung everywhere. There was rice everywhere. And I had to wrestle Yoshi, my dog. Got it, <laughs> got it with a dominoes at that <laughs> point. He don't take no for an answer, that guy. Well, Pip is skittish. As soon as uh, we both uh, yelled, yo, ma'am, her ears went back. And she just like uh, started Yoshi. cowering and licking her lips all crazy. Like, yeah, she knows she fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> no, she darts for it. It's heartbreaking when your food drops. <laughs> I'm ruining the show. Is what it's going. On. <laughs> Get back on track. Back, on, back track. on track. Frank, Frank, run us through. Run us through the beats. Let's run us through the beats. Let's run us through the beats. Got the beats. Beats chopping off your feet. All right. It's a typical idyllic suburban neighborhood. Adults are chatting. It's a weekend. Kids are playing. Everybody's running the muck. Then a flash of light is seen in the sky. Was that a meteor? Yeah, that's what it looked like. Then everybody's power goes off. Doesn't make sense. Why should the power go off all of a sudden and the phone line? Maybe some kind of an electrical storm or something. Now that don't seem likely. This guy's just as blue as anything. Not a cloud, no lightning, no thunder, no nothing. How could it be a storm? Can't get a thing on the radio, not even on the portable. And they all gather in the street and they're like, hey, what's going on? It's all it's all very pleasant and amicable at first. The guy who's basically the lead of this episode, played by Claude Aiken, Steve Brand, is like the voice of reason while this is all going on. And the counterpoint to that is Jack Weston's Charlie Farnsworth. But before we get to him, there was a problem I had originally. This is where the first problem, I think, relies in the episode, which when I was watching it, I said, ooh. But I said, nope, get that out of my head. I love it. Well, is the little kid okay. I was telling about to him, go up to you can't go just the... T- Maybe we better walk downtown. Well, let's both go, Charlie. Yeah. Mr. Brand, you better not. Why not? They don't want you to. Who doesn't want us to? Them. Them? Who are them? Whoever was in that thing that came by overhead. And they're all like, all right, this kid knows what he's talking. I said, wait a minute, what the fuck? But then I said, no, 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 no. This is, this is the best episode. Was that kid dubbed over? Why was Cousin Jamie dubbed over? 
<laughs> he looked like Cousin Jamie. I had a similar thought. He sounded like, do you remember um, Elaine's friend? She has like the friend who sounds like a kind of like a woman. And there's yes. a- Hello? Hi, it's Elaine. Listen, um, I was just talking to Jerry. Jerry? Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, I like Jerry a lot. You mean like-like? <laughs> what are you talking about? Noreen, were you hitting on him? Uh, Noreen's not here. This is Dan. That's kind yeah. of who the kid sounded like. It sounded mm-hmm. like a woman trying to do a, chi- a child's voice. Yes, right. It, it sounded bizarre. very off. I wonder yeah. if he was dubbed. They don't. I couldn't find anything to confirm no. that, but it feels that way. And there's a couple other scenes where the neighbor uh, whose car goes on he sat like when he goes on his porch he's he's obviously adr too right maybe because they were outdoors they were having issues as far as plot stuff goes that was the first inkling that i was like wait a minute this is kind of dumb but the kid's also annoying a little bit i will say that it's like get away from all right shut up all right go (laughs) like he needed a little bit of a belt it's like adults are talking getting a fucking they do immediately believe this child, right? Because he read he read a comic book. He read a comic book. I would I would have got spit at if I would have said <laughs> the adults are talking on my neighborhood are talking. I'm like, oh, excuse me, I read a comic book. This is this is what happens. And there would have just been a rock thrown at me. <laughs> oh. And that would have been it. Right, because when I when we yammered at that age, there was an adult that was very quick to just say, shut, shut the fuck up. up. <laughs> so I don't understand why this, not just his parents, but an entire neighborhood the is neighborhood entertaining is, his is, nonsense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. That is very important to me. A very quick rock, and that would have been it. <laughs> Left him with a shiner on the street, and then he would have had the... Yeah, and you talk about it in school the next day. You reminded me of the kid in Back to the Future who, when Marty first lands in 55, he sees the comic book with aliens and he Mm. gets his father with the shotgun. What is it? What is it, Paul? Looks like an airplane. Without wings. That ain't no airplane. Look. Oh yeah, right. Money yeah, yeah. that kid. They, they see kids with comic books in the fifties apparently just held sway over major <laughs> life events. Yeah. <laughs> what did the kids. comic book say, Timmy? Can I marry this girl? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, where were we? So one of the neighbors' car starts. Uh, Less. His car starts, and they're like, "Hey, why did his car start?" And thus, the paranoia starts setting in. Uh, the neighbors start gossiping about, like, you know, I saw him do something weird once. He comes outside at night and looks into the sky. You've never it? seen this radio you keep working on. I've never seen that. I've never seen anybody drive their garbage down to the street and bang the hell out of it with a stick. On. I've never seen that. What I like that this episode does, uh, I know we're, I'm trying to do the beats, but what's great about this episode is... This is not like something that's thrust upon him. This they just exploited the things that were festering underneath the whole time. Yeah. Those little weird suspicions and notions you have about people. This wasn't like, oh, the aliens hit you with a gas that made you go cuckoo to bots. They these were things they just had to just push a little just a little nudge. 
that just sets these people overboard. Everybody starts going at that neighbor less for his car starting. He tries to defend himself. Steve is like, everybody calm down and buy Quaker oil. Double A, MCO. We cut to nighttime. All the neighbors are just, just kind of hovering around, seeing what Les is up to. And they're all just gossiping. And they mentioned that he built a ham radio. So this guy's, this guy's a piece of shit. He needs he's to die. They really, the, if he's, he's not an alien, he's a Russian. So right. he's got to go either way. A lot of bickering keeps happening. Then uh, somebody starts walking up the street and he's in darkness so they can't see him. So again, they listen to the kid who's like, it's a monster. Son of a bitch! So they, of course, the comic book said the it's a monster. So what do these rational adults do? They shoot the guy because there's all well, the comic book first. said it. So we gotta go. Yeah, ask questions later. Of course, it's the doughy guy that does it. Yeah, Jack Weston. The, the doughy, the doughy coward, like me. <laughs> Judd would shoot first. <laughs> Absolutely, I would shoot first too. If I'm like in a fever pitch like that, well, first you got to just shoot first to establish dominance in that kind of situation. <laughs> Let's not get rational now. Yeah. Like Thomas Jane, he has to shoot Mrs. Carmody in the fucking head in the mist because she's just. Oh, wow. I mean, she's you know, he should... go. see, that's the thing that bothers me about the mist. If we're talking about like problems in execution, I would immediately pummel that see. woman as soon as she opened her mouth because I say, like, no, 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 you're not, you're not making us go cook in a box, lady. I see where this is going. <laughs> she's getting fucking RKO'd out of nowhere immediately. So... Put her through a table. Harley's like, I didn't know who it was. I, ha, ha. You know why I shot him. How was I supposed to know he wasn't a monster or something? I was only trying to protect my home. And know it was somebody we knew. And no. Look! Charlie? Charlie, the lights just went on in your house. Why did the lights go on in your house? What about it, Charlie? How come you're the only one with lights now? That's what I'd like to know. You were so quick to kill Charlie, and so quick to tell us who we had to look out for. Well, maybe you had to kill. Maybe Pete there was trying to tell us something. Maybe Pete learned something and came back to tell us who it was amongst us we had to look out for. No, no, it's nothing of the sort. I didn't know the lights on, I swear I didn't. Somebody's pulling a gag or something. A gag, a gag. Charlie, there's a man lying dead in the street and you killed him. Does that look like a gag to you? And it turns into the scene that John described where everybody starts pointing figures at each other and chaos ensues. There's a uh, essentially a very far away crane shot. We see everybody running in the streets, attacking each other, killing each other. We zoom back onto a hill where these two aliens are sitting there going, look at these dumb motherfuckers. Understand the procedure now. Just stop a few of their machines and radios and telephones and lawnmowers. Throw them into darkness for a few hours and then sit back and watch the pattern. And this pattern is always the same? With few variations. They pick the most dangerous enemy they can find, and it's themselves. All we need to do is sit back and watch. Then I take it this place, this Maple Street, is not unique? By no means. Their world is full of Maple Streets. And we'll go from one to the other and let them destroy themselves. One to the other. One to the other. One to the other. I love it they they mention the lawnmowers. Yeah. 
Like that's important. Cut to their them. electricity and radios and lawnmowers and see what they'll do. I was like lawnmowers. Lawnmowers, lawnmowers <laughs> are very popular. If they he must have been the, very a lot more important back then. If he would have tampered with the comic books, they would have all lost their fucking minds. <laughs> if my lawnmower never worked again, I, I wouldn't really care. <laughs> see, all they had to skip is stuff. They're doing all this stuff with electricity and lights. All they had to do was just publish some comic books and just distribute it to neighborhood kids, and they'd all just kill each other without that. Just say, yeah, the native is a zombie. Have you ever considered? <laughs> Have you ever considered that your alien, your neighbor is an alien and a communist? Yeah, I mean, it's such a great dissection of innate prejudices people have how societies just don't work we're how we're the monsters all along yeah i mean just that title is fantastic the monsters yeah. do on maple street so you're watching it and he even sets yeah. it up that way serling in the narration where you're going I, what's the cool where, monster who's coming be? yeah it's like they're already there motherfucker psych. they're already there which is mind-blowing I, I, again 1960 that must have been yeah. mind-blowing i bet but a then lot you of get people those didn't get aliens. it Really? Uh, no monsters ever showed up. You watched the Twilight Zone last night, Cliff? I didn't see no monsters. Say, say, Bertha, this show promised me monsters, and all I got was a bunch of people hollering and screaming and fussing. I think best performance to date on the show, Cloud Atkins. I absolutely love Cloud him. Atlas? How do you say his name? Cloud Atkins. Claude, Claude Atkins. Claude Atkins. <laughs> Cloud Atlas is fantastic. <laughs> I love Cloud Atlas. I should have picked the third for the I Tom Hanks draft. <laughs> love him in this. For he me, was. He was really good. It's uh, one of my favorite character actors. My favorite performance is Charlie, uh, Jack Weston. I love Jack Weston. He's one of my favorite character actors growing up. A lot of people might remember him as the villain in Short Circuit 2. Oh my God! Yes, yes. Oh, oh, wait. You, I was just saying. I thought I was like looking at Chris. Like I okay. forgot about that. Yeah, Oscar, Oscar, right? Oscar, you will not get away. I am really pissed off. Oh my God! Just put it together. I'm a stupid, stupid person. He's also in one of my very. It's time for Frank's obscure movie corner. Dun, 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 dun. He's also the star of one of my favorite, very little seen films called The Ritz. It's with him, Jerry Stiller, Treat Williams, Rita Moreno. And Cloud and Atlas. This, and Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas is not in this film. Fuck you. <laughs> Based on a play by Terrence McNally and Jack Weston plays dude whose brother-in-law is in the mob, played by Jerry Stiller, and they're going to kill him. So he hides out unwittingly in a gay bathhouse. And it's just amazing. It's just a great comedy. It's really funny. Nobody's ever seen it. It's never been really, it's very hard to find a copy of. Funnily enough, the first time I ever saw it, of course, it's a, it's an iconic film in the gay communities. I first watched it in Provincetown when I was a kid. We had an aunt who lived up there. She was just like, oh, this is this movie's all the rage here. You got to watch this. And I remember watching it as a little kid and just, it's hysterical. It's very funny. I'll send it to you, John. I see you're looking interested. You ever see it, Chris? Did I ever make you watch The Ritz? Uh, um yes yes you have yeah yeah it's a classic and how was how was it i don't remember <laughs> listen you gotta know this about frank frank is gonna want to make you watch a movie whether you want to or not so odds, i know it's coming in my email within an hour so odds are he put it on and i just did anything else as frank stood next to the television and explained every scene that was happening and this probably also happened when I was probably 12. 
<laughs> I was probably 16. Right. Back 16, 17. I'm like 13. Want, begging to do anything else. <laughs> You're watching this obscure comedy that's never been in print anywhere else. I do remember this movie, though. How old is it? What year did it come out? 76. Yeah. Mm. It's great old yeah. 70s comedy. So. Yeah. In 1990, it's what a young 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 boy is wait just itching to watch. <laughs> yeah, a young boy in 1990 just wants to watch this film about a gay a gay bathhouse. Yeah, no, it's, hey, it's Frank, a 70s film. Frank's here. You want to have a catch, Frank? Let's go outside. No, we're watching oh, this. Oh no, Chris. Oh. No, I've got something special planned. <laughs> you ever see this 1976 movie starring F. Murray Abraham? <laughs> oh, I forgot F. Murray Abraham's in it. He's great in it too. Yeah, kids, kids in the '90s, we couldn't wait to see F. Murray Abraham and something else. <laughs> oh, kids just love that Amadeus. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsors. What if I came up for a weekend? I'm not here to party, Betsy. Party? I mean, we haven't partied since 1965. You're sober, and I'm lame. I have to write. I know. I mean, I wouldn't. I've heard that all before. All recordings and testimonies heard today are pertinent to the case of Annie Marie Singleton. Seclusion. My name is Vince LaRusso. I'm a detective with Grafton, Vermont Police Department. Seclusion. Betsy, would you introduce yourself for our records? My name is Elizabeth Stewart. Seclusion. Is there anything in your conversation to suggest that your sister was in trouble? No, she sounded... This is harder than I thought it would be. Nobody you can think of from your past who'd wanted to disrupt her life in some way. I don't know. The internet is crazy, so I... Betsy. Seclusion. Seclusion. Is there any... Seclusion. Seclusion. Conceivable reason to believe... Seclusion. Seclusion. ...that Annie committed those murders. Seclusion. 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 This episode is brought to you by the good folks at Far West Press and Maverick indie filmmaker Kansas Bowling. We go way back with Miss Bowling, don't we guys? Yes sir, as the time of this recording, about one week. First up, for those who hate writing letters, there's pre-written letters for your convenience, pre-written by Kansas, alongside her sister and frequent co-conspirator Parker Love Bowling. A series of increasingly specific and absurd letters that are meant to be cut out and sent to the people in your life. If you're like me, and I know I am, this book will tickle your funny bone and caress your aching knees. Next up is the companion book to Miss Bowling's upcoming film Cuddly Toys, the aptly named A Cuddly Toys Companion. All kidding aside, I was shown a screen of this film, and it is nothing short of a masterpiece. Oh, don't worry, folks. You're gonna hear a you're gonna hear a lot more about this film from me in the coming months. I was genuinely floored by it. This book follows the harrowing and often hilarious adventures Kansas and crew went on in making this soon-to-be classic. If you love film, filmmaking, and crazy behind-the-scenes stories, this book delivers all that in spades. And fret not, you needn't be familiar with Mrs. Bowling's ouvrier. How do you say over? Am I saying over right? Over? Yeah. You don't need to be familiar with Miss Bowling's over <laughs> to enjoy this pair of books. You must simply be of unusually high intelligence and distractingly attractive, which is how I see our audience in my mind's eye. But now is your chance to prove it with action by heading on over to farwestpress.com and picking up pre-written... 
Rubber baby buggy bumpers. And picking up pre-written letters for your convenience and a cuddly toy's companion. While you're out, check out kansas-bowling.com to see what goings-on she's up to lately. You'll be supporting our shows by supporting our new sponsors, Kansas Bowling and FarWestPress.com. Thank you for listening, folks. I love you. I think I got it. Well, I was getting a lot of burbs flashbacks, so you know. Very. You know, I was enjoying oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. A lot of burbs. And I mentioned before The Mist. Because when we were watching, I remember when we first watched The Mist, we were like, this is very Monsters are Due on Maple Street. Yeah. You ever watch it in black and white, The Mist? No, I didn't know such an option that was available. Uh, yeah. We spoke about this. Did we? Yeah, I think we did. It was supposed to be in black and white, but the studio just wouldn't release it. So he's like, mm. all right, I'll just do it mm. on the DVD, like a special edition release of it. Interesting. I've heard it doesn't add anything. I like it. I mean, it adds some atmosphere. Yeah. It's like watching Monsters Do on Maple Street then. <laughs> right. It reversed it's like... itself. <laughs> it's an Uno card. Did we talk about the how when we watched The Mist, the greatest? Oh, this we've talked about. He's Ben have... Yeah. He's Ben Wadham is one of the most amazing things I've ever heard somebody scream at a movie. In a who, movie who writes this stuff? That doesn't happen. Yeah, that was just holy shit. We were there. We were there. That's probably the only time that ever happened in the theater. And it was so sincere. The guy wasn't doing a bit. He, like that was his no. genuine reaction. Somebody screamed yeah. to recap. Somebody when at the end of the mist where he uh, Thomas Jane kills everybody. Spoilers. Somebody in the audience screamed. Holy shit, he just pulled a Benoit. And this is right after Chris Benoit had murdered his whole family. And it was just like his genuine reaction to the guy. And we all were just, we were stunned by somebody would actually say that. Then you just couldn't help but laugh. Yeah. It was like, it was funny too, because the whole theater was shocked. Uh, that somebody just, just threw that out. But they were like, it was just silence for like a half a second after what they just saw. And then everyone at the same time realized what this maniac just screamed out and the whole yeah. theater erupted into laughter. Yeah. Well, there's that. There's also the insanity of how that movie ends. Well, right. We are like, yeah. what the fuck? And then you're trying yeah. to like come to terms with that. And that guy just screams <laughs> that shit. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> have we seen this neighborhood before? It looked familiar. No, but you do see it again that. later on in the series. Oh, here's another thing I noticed while watching this episode. And I looked it up. I was like, I'm right. Oh, wow. I never realized how much, how lousy the show was with using props, costumes, and effect shots from Forbidden Planet. Because this is like, I think Oh, the they take line. so much from it. Yeah. The aliens are wearing the Forbidden Planet suits. The ship that flies off at the end, that's that's stock footage. They, that's footage they appropriated from Forbidden Planet. They yeah. just flipped it upside down. Just recently and with uh, Space Funeral, the cemetery. Where the fuck was it? With all the, the statue people? Yeah. Elegy? Elegy. Yeah. Elegy. That Elegy. one. Elegy. Uh, <laughs> that that spaceship was Forbidden Planet. Forbidden Planet. Uh, what's the other episode where they they hijack a spaceship and the guy's looking into a microscope to navigate the ship? Oh, that was uh, <laughs> what was third it? from the sun. Third from the was sun. It? Yeah, yeah. Third from the sun. I think so. Yeah, it's funny how much they licensed that that stuff out. They saw they rented that stuff out because it was a really expensive yeah. movie. It's has anybody ever seen Forbidden Planet here? No, a long time ago. No. Oh, it's really worth your time. It's it's the quintessential fifty science fiction film. It's probably the best, most well produced. Like there's a there's effects like there's an amazing effect for the monster that Walt Disney Company did before CG. Mm. They actually had to do cell animation, and it's really effective still today. No, See, this is funny. It. This is a great episode. We all love it. We've run out of stuff to talk about because this is what happens. This is what happens. We think we're going to be all amped up on these episodes that we can't wait to talk about, and then yeah. we get to them and we're like, "Hmm, yeah, we that's pretty good." Because <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm more excited to talk about next week's episode. Yes, me too. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I am too. Yeah. Right. Okay. 
So it's not just me on that one. Cause I'm like, fuck, I love this movie. But I've talked about this in my life to death. It's a movie yeah. that I've talked about since I'm a little kid. It's been my favorite episode. It's always been my favorite episode of the show. Yeah. And uh, even as an adult, it's, it's one of those things I always think about and reference. It's just so much. What am I saying? I don't know. I said all this before. Enough. <laughs> I like the episode. What do you want from me? <laughs> you want to talk about Always Sunny again? <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? Uh, who's that? God damn. Where's that one neighbor lady? I wanted to kick her in the head. I forget her name. And I've seen her somewhere and I just can't remember where I've seen her. But that one neighbor who's such like tattling on the kid and everybody. I, I don't know. So there's something about her head was very kickable. I don't know why. <laughs> It's like, shut up. There's another person. It's just like, why are we letting these idiots? And that's just like amazing thing that this show talks about. The calmest heads never prevail when yeah. everybody's panicked. It's always the most stupid and irrational kid. Right. They're listening to some busybody lady or the guy admittedly wearing an amazing T-shirt, but a drunken slob and a kid with comic books. That's who they're listening to and not the completely stable and rational Claude Aikens. Double A, MCO. Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> hey troll hey troll <laughs> completely rational cloud out and a completely rational cloud out adele dazine the wickedly talented one and only adele dazine <laughs> <laughs> the wickedly talented oh i'm throwing that back in i love running gags so that's going back in <laughs> always put that in you don't need to be prompted yeah Jack Weston, I talked about a movie that nobody will ever care about or watch. I've wasted, I think we've wasted enough of the audience's time. One maybe. of the neighbor women was in, uh, I think the one that you wanted to kick in the head, was in Doc Hollywood. Oh, really? Yeah. She's one of the old women who come to the house with pies. Remember when he first moves in? They're all bringing them food. There's a movie sure. I need to watch again. That was a big, that wasn't a big. I love that movie. Yeah, it wasn't big for me, but when I'd go over to the Feinstein house, someone was either watching or talking about Doc Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, we've had spurts of there was we our house went go through spurts where we just watch the same movie every day for like four months, and that's the only thing we'll talk about, and then we move on to the next one, but then we go back to it. Doc Hollywood was one of those. What was the the story? Something in the Pakistani? What is it? It was Elaine in the Pakistani. Elaine in the Pakistani. I remember that, and then peeing all over he the woods to read the mail, and then the uh, the wise doctor. Remember, he was, he wanted to do like a surgery on this kid, yeah. and they said, just give him a coke. Just give him a coke. Bernard Hughes. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Doc Hollywood. And the actress who was also in Tommy Boy. Yes. I was a fan of her. Yeah. She had a nice, she had a brief, brief run, but I enjoyed it. You know, what's funny. And I, I really, I think this is the case. I remember being really shocked in that scene where she takes a piss because I think it's the first time I ever saw a woman peeing before, like even simulated. So it kind of like was jarring to me. It's probably why but I have that a fetish lot. now. She does pee a lot. Oh, <laughs> what? No, wait, what? <laughs> Can't believe we're here. Yeah, this was a big uh, milestone for us. This was, uh, you know what? I'm kind of let down. Uh, me too. I can't. Yeah. Well, I I ruined it. I can't. Never be a John hero. fucking deflated off our balloon right off the get go. I, I, I know. I shouldn't have. I should have just bowed out. Nah, I think we built this up too much in our heads. I, honestly, yeah. I was coming in with fake energy. I was like, yeah, let's yeah. go. And I'm just like, John, me too. John basically was the cold, <laughs> me too. The meat hook reality of the yeah. situation. It's yeah. like, guys, it's just it okay. wasn't that good. Guys. It was all right. I mean, what else do we, what do we expect? I, you know what? I'm not talking about the next one I'm excited for at all. This is my favorite episode of the Twilight Zone ever. It really not is. This one, but the one coming. But it's also the one I've seen the most. And that's why it's. And the most one I've talked about the most. So I thought we'd be more excited, but the reality is we've seen and talked about it en uh, enough. 
that it's kind of lost its zing. Like when I the next episode, which I'd never seen, I'm more excited to talk about. Me too. I was like, what it the blew fuck my was fucking that? mind. I said, what the fuck's going on in the? Well, uh, we can cut this, but here's what happened. Monsters was a nine, and then I watched next week's, and Monsters became an eight. Oh, oh shit. <sighs> It's uh, tough. I mean, I you the the moment you just mentioned, I I was like, this fucking show, it does it again. Right. Yeah, that so. fucked me. All right, let's save it. All right, let's end this fucking. Let's piece end of this. Shit look, guys, I'm really sorry that we've been building up to this for so long. <laughs> What's well, my? F- I ruined it. Well, I'm curious though. <laughs> no, you, you didn't guys, ruin I mean, it. You, you made it. You made this it is better. Your, so why? So why is it your favorite of all time? What is I'm it? stupid apparently. <laughs> No, 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 no. Like, what is it? What is just? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun episode. It was when um, I was yeah. young. Because this was the one that everybody. This one was that the we big watched. One. Right. This was yeah. the one that, as soon as it came on, your parents sat you down in front of the television and said, "This is like what the Twilight Zone is." Mm. And you I, watched it, and it was creepy, and it's like, oh my god, they're all. It's a more realistic fear, I guess, when I was young, like then going to landing on an asteroid. You know, this was like, holy shit. Sure. My neighbor's going to punch me in the face if the power goes. You see? <laughs> Don't trust anyone. Right. You see? And then. Wasn't right, Jamie's right. going to talk about a comic book and get us all killed? <laughs> right. Stay with, remember stay with watching this at your mom's house in Brooklyn, Frank, with you. Wow. I don't remember when, but I remember you telling me, like, dude, this is the Twilight Zone episode. If you ever want to watch Twilight Zone, this is the one you got to watch. Yeah. Oh, so this is in Brooklyn. That, oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, well, she still lives you know, she still lives there. She hasn't moved. Oh, right. <laughs> it was probably around Thanksgiving or maybe Easter or something. Oh, okay. It was a holiday. Do you remember your parents at all? Like, it was a huge show for them? My father never cared for it. I don't Stupid. care for the Twilight Zone. Stupid <laughs> show. I don't like it. Larry went three? Yeah. Yeah. He's just not listening to... Uh, he's dying for that, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's he, his dream. He can't wait for that. So we got to he just thought, He's like... Because I asked him, because after, like, draft course, he's like, you guys got to... Put more episodes of draft closer. I got a, you know, I was like, well, we have zoning out. You're probably 20 episodes behind. Nah, I don't like the Twilight Zone. But now he's listening. So he's like, oh, you know, it's good. But he's going to watch the show. Johnny, you got to record something for Larry on line three. He needs just to have, have him call, segment. leave a voicemail, and then we'll just yes. play it. All right. I'll do something. We'll work something out. As an yeah. adult, I watch it and it's just like, yeah, that's how I feel about society. Serling's got it like on the money. Like, right. this is how I feel about people. This is why I, I don't like groups. I don't like being part of a community. And it's because like, and it, this episode's like, here, why don't you like, why are you such like a person who doesn't like being part of a group of anything? It's like, well, watch the monsters are do on Maple Street. That basically yeah. says it for me. Well, that's why this show is brilliant, right? It's like simultaneously nostalgic, but relevant. Mm. Like yeah, every episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is, just, this will just... always be relevant, this story too. For me, aesthetically, I love those little 50s and 60s trappings. I mean, they're, they're showing stuff from Buddha Bim Platin and, and aliens that are just kind of goofy. Yeah. Every town has a Maple Street. The Simpsons like has mocked that like so many times. Like right. that that the mat the very mannered way the aliens speak. I just it's just all those little things add up for me. Kang was that one of them? Kang, Kang, Kodos, Kang. Kodos, and Kang. Mm-hmm. Those guys are great. Clinton. Soon the humans will make a board with a nail so big it'll destroy them all. <laughs> I mean that's. I think. Oh, it's uh, brilliant! Run. I think it's the, the, the first the time. <laughs> it's like humanity, will you? <laughs> I think it's the first time the closing narration like kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit, where it doesn't say in the Twilight Zone. He he goes through the whole speech and he says, "And the pity of that is these things cannot be confined to the Twilight Zone." Right? Mm. Like so this is happening in the neighborhood. This shit's really happening, motherfuckers! And shoot. 
don't your face. The, don't let the little boys with comic books of the world ruin society. I, I, that's just. Can you imagine if there was like some conflict on your street and you ran out and you were like, oh, no, no, no. I told no, you no. what this would episode happen. Of, <laughs> yeah, in this episode of Erie, Indiana, this this was just like this. And you, were just, like, oh, you were just, you just, hold on, Frank, Frank, go talk, you, talk louder. You were just here. <laughs> you were just here. Click, and my eye, <laughs> good blood would squirt from my temple, <laughs> and that would have been it. <laughs> and the, the, I'll be the, out there with a. A stick, got to establish dominance. I'm just going to murder some poor hapless person. <laughs> Whatever stone that concussed me would roll into the street and the conversation would have been over. <laughs> I think we covered Moral it. of the story, get a gas-powered generator. All right. Yeah. Keep to yourself. Stay in the house. Don't talk uh, to as me. sexy as it is when all the neighbors are outside screaming, just stay inside. Close the blinds. Get, as much yeah. as you want to watch, because listen, nobody likes it more. When there's action, I run to the window. I scream, Mac, there's action! <laughs> I watch, but I don't get involved. <laughs> I don't get involved. Yeah, stay on your window. Hardly, yeah. And like a, just gossip quietly with your partner, like a normal right. person. Right. There's something wrong Satan with Satan is good. Satan is your pal. There's something right. wrong with that kid. You know there's something Did wrong with that kid. Did you see the kid was outside with the comic book again? He keeps screaming about Batman. Kid. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, he's making us watch movies about gay bathhouses. <laughs> I just want to go to sleep. Double A, MCO. And now, Mr. Serling. Next week, Mr. Richard Matheson lends us his fine writing talents when we bring you a unique and most arresting story of a movie actor who finds himself on that thin line between what is real and what is a dream. Mr. Howard Duff stars in World of Difference, which I think you'll discover is a television play of difference, too. That's next week, a journey into the twilight zone. Thank you and good night.